Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Four Gen Podcast, where we are helping you make disciples to the fourth generation. I'm your host and executive director of Four Gen, Stan Rada. Now, today we are talking about something that affects every single one of us. Uh, every disciple of Jesus has been here before throughout all of history. You just kind of get to that point where you hit a wall, you get stuck, you get a little stagnant in your faith. And you're not really sure what's going on. And so today we want to talk about something called the land between two crosses. And we want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to get moving forward again as we follow Jesus to make disciples who will make disciples. So let's jump right in. So let's jump into this tool we call the two crosses. This is a tool that's going to help us identify areas where we need to take steps of greater surrender in picking up our own cross daily. Now, as soon as we talk about two crosses, a lot of people might tend to get a little bit nervous because there's only one cross, the cross of Jesus. And that I would wholeheartedly agree with you on the the cross of Jesus the cross of Jesus is all sufficient to save there is no more requirement outside of the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross there's nothing else beyond that like the cross is the cross 100% so when i say two crosses i'm not talking about two opportunities for salvation or something beyond the cross of Jesus to save. This tool is not a salvation tool. This tool is a surrender tool. It helps to identify areas that I need to surrender more, areas where I need to pick up my cross daily more. So, for instance, in Romans chapter 10, we know if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter replied to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we surrender to Jesus and to his atoning work on the cross, we receive forgiveness and mercy and salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of that is accomplished in the first cross, the cross of Jesus in his atoning work to reconcile us back to the Father. Now, when Paul writes to a church in Corinth, the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he addresses people who have said yes to Jesus. He's addressing Christians, believers who attend church, they're trying to pursue Jesus. They're, they're Christians just like us. But he recognizes that they're stuck. They're stuck somewhere in what we would call the land between two crosses. Let me read for you uh, this first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? 
See, he calls them brothers and sisters. These are Christians, so this is not a salvation topic. This is a surrender issue. They were just stuck, and they weren't experiencing everything that God had for them in his mission in their church because they were stuck in worldly ways. So this land in between is something we might call the worldly Christian, and Paul gives them a few characteristics. He calls them infants. We know infants are not very good at helping other people. They cry and want what they want when they want it. Um, Infants or babies can't feed themselves. Uh, They can only uh, drink milk. They're not so great with steak yet. Uh, They can't reproduce. He identifies these Christians as people of the flesh, people, worldly people. You can read in other parts of 1 Corinthians about this church, and they were so immoral, you you would be hard-pressed to figure out how they were still a church. They were so immoral. A church that was as immoral as them today would be shut down very quickly. They were stuck in sins of the flesh. Um, Paul writes about the amazing spiritual gifts that they had. The problem was they had no grace. There was envy and strife among them. So their strong spiritual giftings weren't leading to more grace and more love. He even tells them in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all the gifts in the world, but if you don't have love, you're a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And anybody with a seven-year-old that's got a drum set at home knows how obnoxious a clanging cymbal can be. And that's what Christians sound like a lot of times when their gifts are not leading to deeper levels of grace and humility and love. Paul also identifies in them the inability to receive truth. I can't speak to you as I want to. You can't hear it. Sometimes we get stuck in attempting to surrender and follow Jesus, and we get stuck in this land in between. And when we're in this dark place, we're, it's hard for us to hear truth and receive it. It's easier for us to just say, nope, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to go to a different church who will say things that I like. But now, if you've ever been at that place where you are stuck or you have a disciple who is stuck and they start to identify these parts in themselves, this is where the second cross comes into play. Now, again, before you call me a heretic, this is not a salvation issue. Jesus himself identifies a second cross. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So even Jesus identifies a second cross, a cross of surrender. This is not the cross of salvation. Jesus' saving work on the cross of Calvary is enough, is sufficient to save. This is just our cross of surrender and obedience. If you want to begin to take greater steps of surrender... In pursuing King Jesus and his mission for your life, there's a few things you do when you pick up the cross. The first I would recommend is that you spend time in prayer. Psalm 139 is pretty clear that we are to go to God in prayer and ask God to reveal any way in us that is offensive to him. Search me, God, know me. See if there's anything in me that offends you. So pray, God, show me. What am I missing? What areas of surrender uh, am I not walking deeply enough in? Where do I need to surrender more? When God reveals that to you, because if you ask him to, he will, when he reveals it to you, now you recognize it. You have to acknowledge it. First John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, uh, we deceive ourselves. But when we recognize we have sin, we must confess those sins. And God is faithful and righteous to forgive 
those sins. So we have to recognize what it is that God identifies in us, and we have to acknowledge it. And then one of the biggest parts is Romans chapter 12. We must decide to live as a sacrifice in a perpetual state of surrender. Romans 12 says we live, uh, we act and move and breathe as living sacrifices. And the problem with a living sacrifice, as you may well know, is that living sacrifices can get up and walk off the altar. We can get up and walk off the altar because we're selfish and we want to do what we want to do. And it feels a little bit better that day to do things our way, not to do things the way that God has asked us to do. And we get up and walk off the altar. But if you want to take greater steps of obedience, greater steps of surrender to King Jesus and his mission, you get back up on the altar. You decide to live as a living sacrifice, which is true worship. So get back up on the altar. And in Romans even identifies this kind of concept of uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, not being conformed to the patterns of the world. And there are a lot of patterns of this world that trip us up. For instance, the world teaches a scarcity mentality. There's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough space. There's not enough people. There's not enough whatever. And so we scramble and scramble and scramble and hustle and have a career and side hustle and this and this and this to try to keep up. And man, welcome to stress and anxiety right there. You know, the world will tell you that politics will save you. We just have to get the vote right in November and everything will be just fine. We say that every four years. And every four years is the most important election in America's history. And if we don't get that election right, America is going to fall apart. We hear this every four years. Please understand the kingdom of the donkey and the kingdom of the elephant cannot save you because they are not surrendered to the kingdom of the lamb. So don't think that politics is going to save you. It's not. King Jesus saves and that's, that's it. But the world would tell you that government and politics, the empire, can save you if you just get the vote right. So the world would tell you that there's a scarcity mentality. There's not enough. You just have to work harder. It would tell you the government and politics, your empire, if you just get the vote right, you'll have safety and security and everything will be just fine. The world would tell you perfection. An expert wrote a book, so you have to be perfect. You have to get it right. You have to have the perfect meal on the table. It has to look really good on Instagram, and everybody has to enjoy the picture that you took. And, and your kid's uh, sports jersey has to look perfect. It has to be really clean. and has to look, and everything has to be perfect and in line. And when people come over, your house can't look like you actually live there. And it's perfection, perfection, perfection. And that's a pattern of the world. The world tells you safety and comfort. Oh, I really love Jesus. I want to do more for Jesus, but someone has to pay the bills. See, those are all patterns of the world. And Romans 12 says, if we're going to live as a living sacrifice, we can't be conformed to those patterns. The patterns of the kingdom of God say, there's an abundance. There's plenty for you. God says, I will care for you. I care for sparrows and I love you so much more. There's enough. Uh, Jesus says, I am your perfection. I'm your perfection. I died for you. I'm your king. I've got this. Um, the pattern of the kingdom says government won't save you because Jesus is king and all authority has been given to Jesus. The pattern of the kingdom says take a risk. Step out in faith. Walk through the wilderness and wait for water to come out of the rock. Walk through the wilderness and wait for food to fall out of the sky. Walk, Get, get out of the boat and walk on the water. The water is fine. 
So we kind of get to this place in surrender where we decide to live as a living sacrifice and we have to move forward and change how we think and quit being conformed to the pattern of our world. And then the final step comes from Luke 9.23, which we've already, already referenced. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So the last thing I would say with the cross of surrender is to kill the root And what you're doing there, the concept we're going for is anything that God reveals to you that is sin, that you have to admit is sin and is getting in the way of your surrender, greater depths of surrender to King Jesus and his mission, you have to kill that thing. It no longer is allowed to live. So that ultimately your heart is beating in greater alignment with the heartbeat of God. I don't want to just legalistically not do things that are, quote, bad. I want my heart to beat in alignment with the heartbeat of God. And as I take these greater steps, these these depths of surrender, these further and deeper steps of surrender through prayer and recognition and acknowledging, deciding to live as a living sacrifice, killing the root of all sin in my life, when I do that, I start to look like the opposite of what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 3. Now I no longer look like an infant, I look like an adult, an adult who can feed himself, who can eat meat, an adult who can reproduce and share with someone else what God is doing in my life. That's called making disciples. When I hear God's voice and obey and I'm taking steps of surrender and now help someone else do the same, I'm reproducing that in another person. I am making a disciple. Um, I begin to experience victory over the flesh. I begin to defeat sin in my life. I'm not stuck in patterns uh, of the world and stuck in lusts of the flesh. My gifts surrender and give way to grace and humility and love. I'm able to hear truth and receive it and not be offended by it and want to run to a different church because they, they will tell me things I want to hear. But I'm able to receive the truth and say, I hear you. Let's grow. Let's move forward. Help me take the next step. I need to move in that direction. I hope walking through this tool helps you to identify areas where maybe you need to surrender a little bit more, where you just haven't quite given everything over to God. And this will help you identify areas where you need to surrender more uh, to King Jesus and his mission for your life. And that's the two crosses, a tool that helps us weed out areas in our life that we are holding on to that need to be more fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. Areas of life that we need to pick up our own cross daily and follow Jesus. I hope you'll use this tool in your own life and also train it into the lives of those that you are discipling. If you have any questions, want to connect with us here at ForgeIn, head to ForgeIn.org. And we would love to connect with you, get you started, introduce you to training cohorts, and so much more. I hope to see you over at ForgeIn.org. Let's take kingdom territory.